covering sports in the Midwest. It's the Midwest Sports Network. MWSN.net. It's episode 181 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast as we cover week three of Ohio high school football scores. Plus, the Bengals get their season underway and two games already in the pocket. Plus, the Reds making some noise for the playoffs. That and a visit into Mowen's Mailbag as we talk about local sports on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, episode 181. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is a weekly audio podcast that covers all sports in Dayton and Cincinnati, Ohio, and the surrounding areas. From Northern Kentucky and the Ohio River up to Lima and Allen County. From Richmond, Indiana and the surrounding Whitewater Valley region to Madison County and surrounding areas. If you want local sports, this is your source. To find your favorite way of listening to this podcast, as well as visiting the Tea Public and Redbubble shops and find the latest episodes, please visit sindaypod.com. This opening theme was created with the Splash app. And now it's time for another episode with your host, Lee W. Mowen. So yes, I know this podcast episode is released on a Friday. In fact, the week four of Ohio High School Football Friday. But hey, that's how time winds down. Also, I can guarantee next week I should have it out on Tuesday for episode 182. But we'll cover last week's scores and touch up on my upcoming broadcast and what you can expect. A couple big wins in there. Yours truly had a big call uh, last week. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. We'll also talk about the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cincinnati Reds. Hard to believe NFL season's already here, but... Yep, they got a lot of stuff to talk about, but first... It's time for Mowen's Mailbag. Yes, a couple pieces of mail have landed in the mailbag, and if you have any questions you like answered for Mowen's Mailbag in a future episode, the easiest way to do it is either on Twitter, at Pod or the Lee W. Mowen. You can reply or tweet, or you can DM. I'll answer all those. Uh, my biggest uh, strength is local sports, of course, in Cincinnati, Dayton, Ohio. Maybe a little bit Columbus area, too. But if you got any sports questions, I'll do my best to answer them on here. And you can hear that theme every time, which always cracks me up how fast the theme is. Anyway, both of these questions this episode were asked by Matt Morris, a good friend and loyal listener of this podcast. And the first question with the current age and state of Welcome Stadium, do you think UD would attempt to build a new football stadium in the next 10 years or so? My big question I always ask, because we get a lot of these questions, like where's a new stadium going to be built? Do you think new teams can come in? And if yes, where are the new stadiums going to be placed? The big thing is where are you thinking location-wise? There's not a lot of real estate available. Round Dayton, 
I mean, you can, I mean, we're talking about University of Dayton, so putting it in the suburbs, not quite ideal. So, I like Welcome Stadium. I think it's a nice historic field. Yes, I know what happened last year. A.J. Green had a season-ending injury in the warm-ups in Dayton. Yes, you don't have to remind me about that. But it has a great purpose. Not only does it service the five high schools in Dayton that have football, it also is the home of the University of Dayton Flyers football team. Now, ownership of Welcome Stadium is Dayton Public Schools. UD doesn't own it. They just, you know, they rent it, basically. A lot of parking around it. Not a bad area. Not a bad seat in the house. I always felt like Welcome Stadium had sort of like, I don't know, wind. There's a lot of wind that goes through. So even on the quietest days of wind, it's it always seems like there's a nice breeze blowing through. Quite close to the river. And really close to all of most of UD's athletic fields. The only exception is Beaujean Field for soccer and Frerich Center for volleyball. Everything else is around that area. UD Arena is right next door. The baseball and softball fields are right next door as well. I honestly don't believe UD will attempt to build a new football stadium. Of course, it's been rumored. I mean, there's a lot of rumors. Talk is cheap, but facts are money or something. I don't know. But you get what I'm saying. There's been a lot of rumors, you know, if UD would ever convert Bojan Field back into a football stadium. And I definitely don't see that happening just because of the fact you got to look at the parking situation and uh, there's not a lot. I mean, yeah, there's that big lot in front of Frerichs, but that fills up pretty quickly. There's those two side lots around uh, Bojan, and that fills up quickly, too. I don't see it happening. Not for 10-some years. Maybe, you know, further, further away, but I, I just don't see it happening. I mean... I, I'm trying to think. I, I don't know where else you'd be able to put it. Maybe on the other side of 75, but I don't know. I think Welcome Stadium's a nice fit for UD, Yes, UD football doesn't draw as much as men's basketball does, but football's no slouch. I mean, you have your diehard Flyers fans out there, of course. You have tailgates. Well, you would have during this um, if we had a normal timeline and not a COVID-19 stricken timeline. I think that it's a nice home for Flyer football. Only thing I don't like is there's no elevator to the press box, so you have a long climb up those stairs. But at the same time, I I think Welcome Stadium definitely serves its purpose. Uh, it's been a while now since the last renovation, but I think Welcome Stadium is a fine fit, and I don't see UD attempting to build a new football home in the next 10 or so years. 25 years? Eh. Maybe. It just depends how uh, Dayton Public Schools upkeeps Welcome Stadium. I, I don't know. Maybe UD tries to buy it and you know keep the Dayton Public Schools there. I don't know, but I don't see it happening in 10 years. Second question from Matt Morris. Do you think any of the other big leagues in the United States ever adopt a small jersey sponsor similar to how the NBA has done? If so, do you think they would use the extra income to help reduce ticket prices to encourage more fans to start coming back to games? Okay, so 
in case you don't know, but I'm pretty sure you already know this, the NBA, I believe almost all the teams have some small advertising logo towards the shoulders. I'm trying to think off memory. I think it's on the right side of the jersey, which would be on the left on pictures. But now I'm thinking that's the opposite way. But you get what I'm saying. The Indiana Pacers, they have Motorola. The Cleveland Cavaliers, they have Goodyear. I know the Boston Celtics have General Electric. I'm trying to think of uh, Oklahoma City. And the Thunder have Loves, the truck stop. I'm trying to think. Who else has what? Uh, I can't think off the top of my mind. But basically, you get what I'm saying. Small logo for advertising. If you look at soccer, this is nothing new. I mean, you have to go way, way back for like professional soccer where you don't have jerseys with advertisements on them. Across the pond, that's normal. You have a big logo on front of the chest wherever you think college soccer that's where the university name or the nickname of the school would go there I personally think yeah I think advertising is starting to find its way on jerseys and really for the marketing departments of those teams if you can sell it you can get money in yeah you definitely want to have a chance at that I mean look if you think about Major League Baseball, look at some of the old footage where around the outfield walls, there weren't any advertisements at the time. They were the other teams in the National League or American League. It wasn't advertisements. Going today, then, uh, <laughs> well, during this COVID-19 timeline, you see that some of the tarps covering the seats out in front have company names on there. I know the Reds have a Kroger one. And there's a few other ones out there. I, I know about Kroger just because of the new logo and everything. And the outfield walls, you have a ton of advertisements. So I definitely think it will start to grow. In terms of how long it will take, I'm not sure. NFL, it's a tricky situation just because, if you think about it, football jerseys really don't have a lot of room for advertisements. If you look at NFL Europe, they're Last few years, they had, I think they had, like, small sponsors, like, on the top of the numbers up front. But I don't see NFL being the first ones to do so. MLB, I expect them to maybe start doing that. I mean, heck, look at the new Nike jerseys that are provided to the teams. The Nike swoosh is on top of the jerseys. Right front and center. I'm not necessarily a big fan of that, but whatever, you know. I always like the old school uh, majestic ones where they have it at the sleeve and it's not very noticeable. I'm not the biggest fan of that, but I think baseball, soccer, I mean, they've already done it. I mean, Mercy Health is FC Cincinnati sponsor and Nationwide uh, Children's is the crew sponsor. I was going to say Glidden, the paint company, but that's been long ago for the crew. I think it's before Anthony Precord's days with the Columbus crew as the previous owner. For FC Cincinnati in the USL days, it was Toyota. Now it's Mercy Health, which is a local uh, brand of hospitals in Cincinnati and Springfield. 
So soccer's already on there. I don't know how much more you can squeeze advertisement on, but, you know, marketing will find a way. So, yes, I think it will spread more in U.S. jerseys. Will it get to minor leagues, though? I I mean, I, I, I think that might happen first. I mean, if you look at major league teams, their budgets, you know, huge budgets, and they have that coming in thanks to season tickets and everything, whereas minor leagues, you might not have that opportunity. I mean, look at brand new teams trying to get a foothold in their area. It's, you know, I see that happening more. Now, do you think that they'll use the extra income to help reduce ticket prices? really depends on the organization, to be honest. Just because of the fact, what are their goals? I mean, yeah, lowering ticket prices, that'd be nice. So, you know, it's a cheap ticket, you get to see a sporting event. But I think it's more towards paying the bills. Like, it's more used towards, you know, rent and finding people to work for you and everything. Because you can't run an entire team off interns. It, it just doesn't work. But, I yes, I believe... U.S. will adopt a small jersey sponsor on most of the jerseys. And no, I don't see that money going to lowering ticket prices. I see it more towards paying the bills. And that is the end of... It's time for Mowen's Mailbag. I really need a it's the end of Mowen's Mailbag thing, but I don't have one. So again, you want to get your questions in... Twitter.com, either Pod or the Lee W. Mowen, and you can get your questions answered. So, that's a nice way to start episode 181. And let's begin with week three scores in Ohio. So, it's week three in Ohio, it's week four in Indiana, and it was week one in Kentucky. That's right, Kentucky High School football got underway, and we'll cover all those scores Southwest Ohio, Central Ohio, East Central and Southeastern Indiana, then Northern Kentucky. That's how we roll things. And we'll start off with Southwest Ohio in the Cross County Conference. Twin Valley South now 0-3 on the year. They fall to Covington 40-7. Tri-County North, after taking a big win in West Alex last week, they defeat Bethel 19-13. Tri-Village hands National Trail their first loss in the year, 34-19. And Sonia edges out Arcanum, 28-27. An overtime affair, but a winner for the Blackhawks of Mississinawa Valley. They defeat Bradford, 12-6. And Fort Loramie rolls over Miami East, 47-0. A little bit surprised on the result. Not so much Fort Loramie winning, because they have probably the best football squad in the CCC. But shutting out a very good Miami East squad, that's the part that surprises me. But also Fort Loramie, they played last night, but you don't get to hear that score until next week. Sorry. In the Southwestern Buckeye League, something that I found interesting. This is the last year of Bellbrook and Valley View's rivalry in the same division. Bellbrook staying put, Valley View staying put. But it looks like the SWBL is going west versus east, which... To help travel, yeah, that helps. I mean, I always make um, jokes on the fact that Eaton to Waynesville is no small trip. And in fact, you get to see a lot of countryside on that trip. Or more likely, you follow 73, you get to see a lot of 
Middletown, Franklin, Springboro, and then there's a lot of countryside, and then there's Waynesville. But I think that's pretty smart, East versus West, but that does mean Valley View and Bellbrook won't be in the same divisions anymore, which that's kind of sad. But the Golden Eagles win at Valley View 28-21. That's three straight for Bellbrook, and I believe that's also an OT win for the Golden Eagles. Middletown Masson defeats Dixie 38-6. Monroe holds off Eaton 30-23. Franklin shuts out Preble Shawnee 28-0. Brookville defeats Oakwood 35-7. It's Carlisle 34, Northridge 12, and Waynesville 28, Milton Union 6. On to the Miami Valley League. A couple of cancellations. The West Carrollton Pirates and the Fairborn Skyhawks had positive COVID-19 tests, meaning the Pirates and the Skyhawks are put on deck for two weeks, this being the last week of that. So I believe the Pirates and the Skyhawks won't play this week. But Stebbins and Xenia played, and the Indians hold off the Buccaneers of Xenia 26-23. Troy defeats Vandalia Butler 28-14, and Piqua Shuts out Greenville 49-0. For Greenville, they have yet to score, and we're halfway through the OHSAA season. Onwards to the Greater Western Ohio Conference, and a big rivalry got wiped out because of COVID. Springboro Panthers had a positive COVID test, meaning Miamisburg and Springboro did not play. You know, I was thinking about this, not to get off track, but I was thinking about, you know, I wonder about the Miamisburg-West Carrollton rivalry. Well, it can't happen this year just because, yeah, West Carrollton and Miamisburg aren't in the same conference. And I wonder how much easier it would have been for the G-Walk to have all 20 teams. I mean, you'd still have to find a crossover game for most of them. And I think, yeah, I, I, I think that would have been fine. But there you go. Springfield defeats Fairmont 27-21. The Wildcats keep on rolling, as do the Thunderbolts of Northmont. They defeat Beaver Creek 42-8. And in the biggest rivalry in Dayton area football, it's Wayne 28, Centerville 23. That is seriously one of the biggest rivalries up here. It's been going on before Huber Heights was even a city. Think about that. In case you ever wonder why that school district's called Wayne, it's because it's Wayne Township. You almost learned something today, maybe. In the Central Buckeye Conference, the Thursday Night Lights Affair, which actually happened on Thursday night and not Friday night. <clears throat> Indian Lake 34, Northwestern 8. Jonathan Alder 38, Bell Fountain 8 as we head back to Friday night scores. London 35, Kenton Ridge 0, Graham 14, North Union 13. The Falcons are now 3-0. Benjamin Logan defeats Urbana 35-0, and Springfield Shawnee keeps rolling with a 39-14 win over the Tecumseh Arrows. In the Ohio Heritage Conference, West Jefferson 49, Northeastern 15. Fairbanks holds off West Liberty Salem 49-48. Greenview, 32, Cedarville, 7, Green and 50, Mass and Plains, 28. Believe the Knights of Green and are now 2 and 1. Southeastern, 34, Springfield Catholic Central, 0, and Mechanicsburg, 38, Triad, 0. Up north to the Northwest Central Conference as Lima Perry and the Commodores keep rolling with a 38 14 win over Upper Scioto Valley. Hardin Northern, 42, Ridgemont, 8. Saturday night affair, Saturday night win for Lyman Catholic. They defeat Ridgedale 47-14, Waynesfield Goshen 28, Crestline 7, and Riverside 34, Million Elgin 32. 
In the Western Buckeye League, we have Ottawa Glandorf holding off St. Mary's 27-20 in two overtimes. Van Wert 34, Wapakoneta 0, Elida 27, Lima Bath 7, Lima Shawnee 7, Defiant 0, and Kenton 51, Salina 28. And the last trip up north in the Upper Valley, it's Coldwater in the Midwest Athletic Conference holding off Fort Recovery 51-37. Marion Local edging out Previously undefeated Versailles, 21-20. That's an overtime win for the Flyers. St. Henry, 28. Minster, 7. The Wildcats of Minster, 0-3. New Bremen, 38. Delphos St. John, 6. And Anna, 34. Parkway, 33. No scores in the Dayton City League or Cincinnati Metro Athletic Conference from last week, but I do have news. They start week one, technically yesterday. And it was Belmont falling to Dunbar. But you don't get to hear that score until next week. I know. I'm evil. And also, Cincinnati Public Schools will be starting their fall sports campaign tonight. And I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more resort, more, more results. Maybe even more resorts. Just depends where this podcast takes me, I guess. But more results for you in week four. Let's head to the Greater Catholic League, the link between Cincinnati and Dayton. And we start off with McNicholas 3-0 Rockets, defeating Carroll 28 to seven. Heldon Baden holding off Chaminade Julienne 40 to 14 on a Saturday. Alter 49, Fenwick 12. I believe that's the first victory for the Knights this year. And St. Xavier takes one from the pit as the Bombers defeat the Elder Panthers 38 to 24. To the Cincinnati Hills League we go as Wyoming. They keep on rolling. This might not be the high powered offense you have come to expect from the Cowboys defense or the Cowboys offense even, but the Cowboys defense holding an end for Wyoming. They defeat Madeira 21-3. Taylor defeats Renning 20-13. Indian Hill, they keep rolling. That's a pretty powerful Braves team they have at IH. It's 51-14 over Marymount. And Deer Park 46, Finneytown 12. Greater Miami Conference. We are definitely talking about the Princeton at Colerain game. 41-37. In favor of the Vikings, and that is the first win against Coleraine for Princeton since 1997. In case you want some historical notes on that, I would have been nine. The head coach of the Vikings, Mike Daniels, would have been in eighth grade. And I think things were a lot better back in the 90s, but hey, who am I to judge? Lakota West shuts out Sycamore 33-0. The Firebirds are 3-0, just like the Vikings. And another 3-0 GMC team, the Mason Comets. They defeat Oak Hills 27-12. And last up, Hamilton. They pick up their first win of the year. They defeat Fairfield, the Battle of Butler County, North versus South, 28-25. Well, I guess that's more Central versus South, but hey, it's a Butler County rivalry. I can promise you that. Do you like positive COVID test results? Well, too bad. There's one more, and it's wiping out Loveland at Milford. So no game there. And Milford is planning to play tomorrow. That would be Saturday, as they'll host Witten Woods. Your results in the ECC. Turpin keeps on a rolling. Spartans 44, Little Miami 8. Witten Woods 3-0, their first year in the ECC. 28-13 winners over West Claremont. And Anderson, 38, Lebanon, 20. Onwards to the Southern Buckeye Athletic and Academic Conference. Wilmington, 21, Goshen, 14. The Hurricane were off last week due to a positive test for Batavia. Clinton Massey, 86, Western Brown, 54. 
That's coming off a week where Western Brown allowed New Richmond to score, what was it, 78 points, something like that. There's a lot of high-scoring matches so far halfway through this season. I, I, This is another one where I'm looking at it, it's like, really? This isn't a basketball score or anything like that? But, yeah, 86-54, Clinton Massey keeps rolling. You got Blanchester 42, Williamsburg 0, Fayetteville 27, East Clinton 6, and Bethel Tate 46, Claremont Northeastern 0. In the Southwest Ohio Conference, Northwest picks up their first W on the year by defeating Edgewood 26-14, Harrison 31, Mount Healthy 21, and after a historic win for Talawanda by beating Harrison for the first time since 1995, Ross shuts out the Brave, Rams 35, Talawanda 0. In the Miami Valley Conference, I heard you like high-scoring games. Well, I got one for you here. Roger Bacon, 82, Norwood, 28. Yes, I said 82. I didn't stutter there. Corey Kiner, you know that running back that's headed to LSU? Well, he only had seven touchdowns and 380-some yards, and that's before the midway point of the third quarter. Seven touchdowns in a half and half a quarter. Yeah. He's going to be something special. And, you know, I'm not expecting Cincinnati to be at the bottom of the standings then when Kiner gets drafted. But wouldn't it be nice to get a Cincinnati kid as the running back? I mean, I, I know we still have a long time to go. And, and I don't know what's going to happen with Kiner when he goes to LSU. But I'm just saying, if he keeps this up and he keeps up the magic with the LSU Tigers, I think uh, he's in store for a very special career. So, we move on through the Miami Valley Conference at Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy 28 and Purcell Marion 6. Lachlan 2-1, 23-12 winners over Cincinnati College Prep. Summit Country Day defeats Cincinnati Country Day 41-7. And a Saturday final, St. Bernard Elmwood Place 14, North College Hills 6. Also, there was the Miami Valley Christian Academy Lions. I believe they're the Lions. Their football team, I believe, canceled the rest of the season due to having too few football players to field a team, which that is very terrible news, and hopefully next year they'll be back at full strength. We move on to Central Ohio. Again, if, you're, if you missed last week, I decided to can the conferences just because this is my first time covering Columbus Area High School Finals. And just go with all these final scores to read through. Next week, or next episode even, we'll have Columbus City League school scores. So definitely look for that. St. Francis of Sales, 24. Bishop Hartley, 21. Adina, 43. Westfall, 0. Another two-overtime affair. Centerburg, 35. East Knox, 28. Meadowbrook, 49. New Lexington, 8. Chillicothe, 41. Hillsboro, 14. Reynoldsburg, 48. Newark, 14. Groveport, Madison, 16. Lancaster, 13. Pickerington North, 59. Westland, 6. Olentangy, Liberty, 21. Upper Arlington, 14. That's a great hockey rivalry right there. Pickerington Central, 47. Central Crossing, 0. I hope you like the Ward of Esterville because it's in the next three schools. In the Battle of South and North, it's Westerville South defeating Westerville North 32-28. And Westerville Central defeats Grove City via shutout 
Olentangy Berlin 48, Hilliard Darby 41, Hilliard Bradley 22, Hilliard Davidson 17. Oh darn, I forgot to tell you about Hilliard being in the name for two of those, three of those schools. Marysville 31, Dublin Jerome 12, Dublin Scioto 28, Canal Winchester 21, Dublin Kaufman 28, Olentangy Orange 7, and Olentangy 43, Thomas Worthington 7. That's another hockey rivalry there. Actually, the last two were. Gehanna Lincoln, 42. New Albany, 41. That's an overtime win for the Golden Lions. Also another good hockey rivalry. Worthington Kilbourne, 31. Delaware Hayes, 17. Big Walnut, 35. Franklin Heights, 6. Liberty Union, 34. Whitehall Yearling, 12. Pause. Bishop Reedy, 33. Columbus Academy, 7. Buckeye Valley, 31. Bexley, 26. Harvest Prep, 64. Grandview Heights, 13. Grove City Christian, 19. Fairfield Christian, 18. The Hamilton Township Rangers have won two in a row by defeating Fairfield Union, 42-13. Logan Elm, 41. Circleville, 22. Bloom Carroll, 31. Amanda Clear Creek, 7. Zanesville, 46. Watkins Memorial, 13. Northridge, 20. Utica, 15. Canton Central Catholic, 28. Licking Heights, 21. Johnstown Monroe, 34, Lakewood, 6, Heath, 20, Newark Catholic, 14, Licking Valley, 24, Granville, 22, Burn Union, 56, Bishop Rosecrans, 6, and Bishop Watterson, 39, Taze Valley, 0. Would you like some non-conference scores? Here you go. Wayne Trace, 41, Troy Christian, 7, New Richmond, 21, Sydney, 7, LaSalle, 35, Lakota East, 13, the Trinity Shamrocks of Louisville, Kentucky, defeat Moeller 44-7. Kings 34, Middletown 13. Middletown Christian versus Dayton Christian was postponed, and I don't know the reason on that. Fremont Ross 42, Lima Senior 6, and Liberty Benton 47, Lima Central Catholic 28. And now we go across the state line to Indiana. We start off with the North Central Conference. A shootout, but falling short are the Richmond Red Devils to the Bearcats of Muncie Central 47-41. To the Tri-Eastern Conference, it's the Centerville Bulldogs. They pick themselves off after their first loss of the year and go to 3-1 with a 35-7 win over Winchester. Knightstown 13, Union City 8, Union County 40, Hagerstown 21, Tri 51, West Dell 16, and Monroe Central 49, Northeastern 0. Onward to the Eastern Indiana Athletic Conference, where Batesville defeats Rushville 48-14. South Dearborn defeats Connorsville in a Saturday afternoon affair 21-19 over the Spartans. Lawrenceburg 56, Greensburg 14, and East Central 36, Franklin County 12. But the Franklin County Wildcats, no relation to the Franklin Wildcats of Ohio, they will be taking a break because COVID. Now to the Mid-Indiana Football Conference, where North Decatur shuts out Oldenburg Academy 44-0. And a Saturday final for Edinburgh, they defeat the Pacers of Switzerland County 49-14. And last up, Northern Kentucky scores week one in the Bluegrass State, or the Bluegrass Commonwealth, if you like to split hairs. We got Beechwood 20, Corbin 14, Holy Cross 55, Bellevue 6, Ryle 39, Boone County 8, Newport 26, Rossert 14, 
Campbell County 21, Cooper 8, Covington Central Catholic, excuse me, Covington Catholic 21, Dixie Heights 14. I'm used to saying Central Catholic. There's like a bunch of them in Ohio. I don't know why I went that way. Dayton, Kentucky 39, Pendleton County 8, Simon Kenton 27, Highlands 14, Louisville Holy Cross 19, Holmes 6, Carroll County 48, Ludlow, Ludlow even, Ludlow 28, Newport Central Catholic 23, Walton Verona 7, and that's your lot. That's your scores, and we do have Week 1 NFL scores. Chargers defeat the Bengals 16-13. Ravens defeat the Browns 38-6. Jaguars defeat the Colts 27-20. And we're going to have to take a breather to find out the Pittsburgh Steelers score because that was the Monday night affair. I believe they beat the New York Giants, but I don't want to tell you something, and it's wrong. So give me a second. I can tell you last night it was a 35-30 win. First battle of Ohio, Cleveland defeats Cincinnati by the lake. I don't want upcoming games. I would like last week's games because we're talking about those. Steelers 26, Giants 16. I would have said 20 to 16, but there you go. So that's your look at the nearby NFL scores for you. Of course, we're talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. And what better time to talk about them than right now. So the Cincinnati Bengals. I am pretty pumped for the season. Very excited. I watched them a little bit against the Chargers and watched them a little bit on my phone against the Browns last night. And Joe Burrow, definitely the real deal. I don't think... I mean, I always wondered how his rookie year would go. And I mean, he's leading the charge. It's like he's been there for several years. And that's something very refreshing to see and something you don't get to see a lot out of rookies. I mean, Joe Burrow is definitely the cornerstone of the upcoming Bengals. What isn't a cornerstone of the upcoming Bengals is the offensive line and the run defense last night. Of course, yes, the Bengals did have a couple of players out. Geno Atkins out for the second straight game. Actually, there was another one, too. I just realized I'm still on NFL's uh, scoreboard looking at week one. Football team. That's a great name for a nickname. It's just put it as Washington, not football team. Don't be ridiculous. But, yeah. You lost to the football team? I don't believe you. I think your name tree already did that joke. But uh, I did it anyway because I wanted to. So the Mangles 0-2, and they are now without their tight end one in CJ Uzoma. I've always liked Uzoma, and I think this year would have been his time to shine, but tearing his right Achilles has put a complete stop to that. So Drew Sample, who's looked good these previous two games, I think he'll be okay at the tight end one spot now, but it's, uh, it's going to be a lot to ask. For the newest tight end. So yeah. Uh, the offensive line. You know what? I, I got to give Burrow a lot of credit too. When asked about it. He said they did a great job protecting him. And you know. Didn't throw anyone under the bus. It was really refreshing. I mean. The Bengals might not be going to the playoffs this year. Which is fine. But 
I want to see how Joe Burrow grows. And I think already two games in, you know, he's impressed me. Then again, he's not there to impress me. He's there to lead the Bengals to victory. I mean, Burrow mentions it might be the only time in his sporting career that he's lost two games in a row. Granted, with the two losses, the combined total would be eight points. Three against the Chargers and five against Cleveland last night. You know, talking about the Bengals and Browns game, Cleveland might have the best running back duo, Hunt and Chubb. That's your 2-1 and one running backs, and I, I, I wish the Bengals had something like that. I think Mixon is a great running back one, but I don't know. I mean, Bernard, he's okay at running back two. And yes, there's a lot of social media pictures of him, of his mustache and everything. But I definitely think the Bengals, yeah, 0-2. I honestly think that Joe Burrow is going to have a great career. But I certainly hope that uh, the offensive line can actually protect him. I mean, there's there's some pictures like, what are you doing? I, I've never blocked on an offensive line before, and I'm questioning this. I mean, Cincinnati, look, I mean, if you look at the team stats, already 49 first downs in two games, which is, what is that, split in half? About 24 and a half first downs per game, so that's not bad. Bengals have had two sacks, and that's more... Burrow's a rookie. I get it. I mean, last night that sack that was, uh, or is that sacks? Is that sacks against? I don't know. But yeah, I definitely think that you know we're on the right track. Will we see it this year? I don't know. But I, I definitely think people have a lot to look forward to. Now, if the Bengals do finish close to two and fourteen again. My hope is get some offensive line help. I don't know what's in the pipeline for college offensive linemen, but get some help up there. It's just that, that's the first thing I'd fix. The second thing I would fix is, you know, the defense has been completely revamped and everything. And I, I feel like I don't know if the Bengals did quite well last week or and the Browns are that good of an offensive team. They just ran into a brick wall known as the Ravens. I don't know. Um, I'm, I think brighter times are ahead for the Bengals. So week three, I can tell you for Cincinnati will be on the road because they're not back home until week four against Jacksonville. Week three looks something like this for Cincinnati. They're at the Philadelphia Eagles, who are currently 0-1 on the year. Remember, they lost to the football team. Am I going to get tired of that joke? No, probably not. So, yeah, I like I said, I think the Bengals will be okay. But time will tell. I think Burrow is a natural leader and definitely the face of... The team, I just think the offensive line and defense are kind of letting them down. So, right now, the Bengals in the National Football League. Yes, I know the Bengals have played one more game than most teams except Cleveland, but second in the league in offense. I mean, Joe Burrow, three touchdowns, 37 passes, 61 attempts. The one thing of that box score from last night that upset me, A.J. Green. 3 of 13. 
Oof. That was bad. And Burrow's first touchdown pass was to C.J. Uzoma before he tore his right Achilles. It's a beautiful pass as well. So it's a growing process, and I know there's a lot of people that are questioning Zach Taylor's coaching abilities on that, but hey, second in the league, the Eagles on the other side, 29th, but their defense ranked first. And most of the offense is coming through the arms of Joe Burrow. The running game, I think Joe Mixon is doing a nice job. And I think Gio Bernard is right behind him as well. But, yeah. Eagles next. It's next Sunday. So the Bengals have a little bit more of a time to strategize and think about what they can do better from their first two games. Still definitely excited to see the age of Burrow. I think definitely that there's brighter times ahead for brighter days ahead, D-E-Y-S. <laughs> Let's talk about the Reds. Five-game winning streak, the first ever five-game winning streak under the guidance of David Bell. And Tyler Stevenson has indeed been freed. And definitely he's looking to be the top catcher next year, and Tucker Barnhart is going to be his biggest fan, which is pretty nice. So how about them Reds? Last time, I believe the Reds were in fourth place, just a couple games over the Pirates. Now they are nine games over the Pirates in second place and five and a half back of the Chicago Cubs. This year, thanks to COVID, the top two teams in each division get into the playoffs. So that means season ended yesterday. Cubs and Reds, they're in. Everyone else in the NL Central? Nope. Because the Cardinals will be a half game out of the wild card, and they are 3-7 and seven in their last 10, whereas the Reds are 7-3 and three in their last 10. And yes, you can make the argument, when you played the Pirates for four. Well, yeah, but they won all four, so there you go. I don't know why I did that voice. That sounded stupid. I apologize. So, yeah. The Reds are starting to get on. The bullpen has been nice as of late. I think the last 13 games, the bullpen has an ERA of, what was it, 260-something, which ain't bad, considering where they were at one point, like 5.63, what have you. So what's next for the Reds? Well, <laughs> toughness, and it's going to be in the... Hands against the Chicago White Sox first. The White Sox have clinched their ticket to the playoffs for the first time since 2008. I think about those teams back in that decade. Ozzie Guillen leading the charge before he got traded to Miami to lead the Marlins. Then he said something honoring Fidel Castro, and then he lost that job. And I don't know where he's been since. But the White Sox, yeah. I mean, Tim Anderson, definitely a big star in the making. And good pitching by the White Sox. I, I think this is going to be a tough series. But... Starts tonight, Friday the 18th at 7.10, 7.07 Saturday the 19th, and 1.10 Sunday the 20th. And then the last three home games of the regular season will be against the Milwaukee Brewers, and then three on the road against the Minnesota Twins. So why did I say it was going to be a little tough? Well, let's go back to the standings eventually. If I can click on the right button, I will tell you in the total standings. I think it's White Sox, Twins, and Indians. I don't know. Indians, I know, snapped a losing streak last night. 
But yeah, it's the White Sox currently on top by three games over the Twins. So one and two in the AL Central. And you face Minnesota on the road. White Sox 33 and 17, a run differential of plus 80. So yeah, that's uh, pretty good. And 16 and 7 away from home sweet Chicago. I said 16 and 7, yes. And the Minnesota Twins, well, <laughs> 31 and 21. Like I mentioned, three back of the Sox. And 21 and 5 in Minnesota. So yeah, those six games are tough. The ever three against Milwaukee. They're currently in fourth place. They trail the Reds by a whole game and are out of the wild card spot by a, a whole game. And they are five and five in the last ten. So definitely you can't look past any of these three teams. You gotta prepare for the White Sox and then the Brewers, then prepare to take the road against the Twins. Do I think the Reds have a shot in the playoffs now? Absolutely. I mean, the way they're playing, like I said, seven and three. Run differentials lowered down to negative 15. I think last week it was somewhere towards negative 28. And I definitely think, you know, if the Reds get everything together, yes, I know Sonny Gray's on the IL, but at the same time, I look at the bullpen. They straighten things up. The offense is starting to get hits when it needs. You can make the argument, well, you only beat the Pirates by one, one nothing in the last game. Yeah, but Rysel Iglesias came on and shut the door. Pirates scored less than the Reds. And according to sports, especially baseball, the fewer amount of runs or points you score, you lose. I think that's how sports work, except golf. So there you go. Definitely, definitely, I think the Reds have a great shot. I mean, we look at the postseason standings. Like I mentioned, the Reds, since they are... Second in the Central, they have a spot, so they're over the wildcard spots, currently occupied by San Francisco and Philadelphia. But nine important games, and I think the Reds, if they keep on the right track and they get down to business, they can win most of those games. In case you are wondering how the postseason seedings are looking right now, well, the Los Angeles Dodgers, 36-15, and 15, they have locked that down. Best record in the majors. Followed up by Chicago and the Cubs, 30-20. and 20. Think about it. The two teams in Chicago combined for 63 wins and 37 losses. That's pretty good. We'll stick with the NL. Dodgers, Cubs, Atlanta. They're tops of the East, 29-21. San Diego, second in the West, 32-19. It's been nice to see the Padres being able to string it together. Miami, 25-23. There's Cincinnati, 25-26. Giants, 25-24. Philly, 24-25. And I see a lot from the Phillies fans saying that their bullpen is quite bad. I've been there. Now if we look at the AL side, just in case you're wondering. It's White Sox, 33-17. Tampa Bay, 33-18. Oakland, 31-19. Minnesota, 31-21. Yankees, 29-21. Houston, even 500 after 50 games, 25-25. Indians have the first wildcard spot, 27-23. And Toronto, 26-23, which is also nice to see their youth moment is going pretty well. It's also nice to see Baltimore, which past few years, you know, they've been 100 losses plus 22-29. They... How many games would that be? That's a few games out of a wild card spot, but it's nice to see 
you know, the the Orioles, Orioles even improve. So, in case you're wondering who's at the basement because you like hearing about basement teams for some reason, Texas in the AL 1832, Pittsburgh in the NL 1534. So yeah, six home games left for Cincinnati. Nine games left on the regular season. Playoffs in sight. If the Reds can keep this up, I see no reason why Cincinnati can't get in the playoffs. Now, I missed the thing where I talk about Princeton Colerain. I think that's a nice way to wrap up episode 181. Also, I got like last week, I thought that was 181, but it turned out to be 180 because I'm smart like that. So, yeah, Princeton Colerain. Like I mentioned, the Vikings won that 41-37 and at one point in the fourth quarter, trailed Colerain by 17. It was 37-20 at one point. But be able to get 21 points in the last nine minutes or so, yeah, this Vikings team is special. To tell you a little bit more about the Greater Miami Conference, it's one of the tougher conferences in football in Southwest Ohio, maybe even the state. I'd like to tell you the standings. I mentioned there are three 3-0 squads, Lakota West, Mason, and Princeton. Princeton has outscored every single team. The Vikings have the most points at 101 after three games. And the Vikings have also given up 87, which that's the most out of the 3-0 squads. Lakota West has the stingiest defense at 13 points. Mason has given up you know, 45, and then Princeton at 87. If you want to look at the rest of the table in the GMC, Coleraine, Fairfield, Hamilton, Sycamore, 1 and 2. Yes, I said Coleraine's 1 and 2. I'm surprised as you are. And then you got Middletown, 0 and 1. Yes, the Minis have played two games, but only one in the GMC. Lakota East, 0 and 2. Oak Hills, 0 and 2. And that's your standings in the GMC. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the GMC halfway through, three 3-0 teams, that's pretty tough. Now, I know we're in week four. We still have three weeks to go. But I think Princeton's got a real shot of claiming at least a share of the GMC. And that'd be the first time for the Vikings since 2003. You know, a little team called Coleraine would have the streak for 20-some years. Which two losses you really have to hope for Princeton and Lakota West and Mason to kind of fall off the table, but I don't see that happening, so I think the streak might be over. However, three games left, so anything possible, of course. Princeton does not play Mason nor Lakota West in the regular season. In fact, what's left for Princeton? Tonight, Lakota East. Next week, Middletown. And then week six at Fairfield. I mentioned to folks that I think at Fairfield might be the biggest test. I know Fairfield's 1-2 and two as well, but you can never count out a good Coach Krause team. So definitely the Indians hosting the Vikings. I think that's going to be a very big challenge, but a very nice test to get into the playoffs, which, by the way, yesterday, the 17th, was the last day that teams could say, yes, we're going to the playoffs or not. And I think districts are due today, which, you know, that would have been nice to talk about, but 182. We'll talk about that then. Lakota West and Mason do play each other. That'll be week six. So, is it possible to have three teams share the GMC? Of course, because Princeton's not playing West or Mason. 
I mean, Mason's going to lose one, then defeat Lakota West, or, you know, vice versa. But then again, if Princeton wins all three of their games, I mean, that title's theirs and theirs alone. But, yeah, still three weeks to go. We'll talk about this more. And let me tell you about these Princeton Vikings. Three weeks I've been on the call with them and two road games. And both fourth quarters, they've turned it on. I mean, this is a very balanced Princeton team that's got probably the nastiest offense in the GMC. Nastiest is a compliment because they can score. These Vikings can definitely score. Like I mentioned, 101 points, which is tops in the GMC. The second highest scoring output would be Lakota West's 83. And then you have 79 from Mason. 72 from Fairfield, 69 from Hamilton, and in the middle of the pack, Coleraine, 67. So definitely, if there's any time to grab a share of that GMC crown, it's this year. And if Princeton takes care of business and focuses on Lakota West tonight, next week, Middletown, and then week six, Fairfield, it's possible. So definitely very exciting time. Very thankful for ESP Media and Rob Ebel for bringing me back and giving me a chance to broadcast Princeton. Definitely still pumped about week one, having over a thousand people listen in. Uh, week two was definitely a lot of fun being at Princeton for the first time. Like I mentioned on that broadcast, it's the first time since 2005 since I've been on that field. It wasn't for Princeton, it was for a playoff game with Valley View Monroe. I told this story a couple times. And then last week, playing in the, at a place that Oh, by the way, I, I didn't mention this point. Coleraine, since their 2004 state title, 83-4 and four at home. 83 wins, 4 losses. That's ridiculous. But Princeton handed them loss number 5 since that timeline, so... Yeah. Like I said, I think if Princeton keeps this up, they will definitely have a shot at the GMC. And maybe a deep run through the playoffs. Now, of course, we got to wait on, you know, seedings and brackets and everything like that. And that should be done today. But I, I can't wait to see what this Princeton team can finish up. Would you like to watch tonight's game? Well, you certainly can. What you do is go to watchhssports.tv which is powered by ESP Media, powered by Sign Up Sports. And you can pay to watch it. It's a pay-per-view, and all the net profits go back to Princeton and the member schools. How much is it? Well, it's $8.99 if you just want to watch tonight's game. If you want a monthly subscription, I believe it's is it $18.99. Let's do the subscribe button. That'll tell me. It's $19.99 per month. If you want a yearly contract, it's $199.99 per month, so $200 a year. Did I say $200 a month? $200 a year, sorry. And this isn't just for football. It's for anything on this platform. So you could, you know, if you want to watch Princeton football and other Princeton sports, you got Lebanon, I think Kings is in the mix, Loveland. I mean, there's a ton of schools that ESP does, Wyoming and Moeller. Definitely Big Mo. Can't forget about the Big Mo Crusaders. Yeah, you got a fine selection of things. So definitely, it's worth it. Also, 
they give you a coupon. If you type in the code, actually, if you go to buy, you can subscribe or buy. Buy is just, you watch it tonight, it's $8.99. And type in Fall Vikings, you save a little bit on that total. But definitely check that out. It'll be a great game. And this is, I can't recall many times I've been on pay-per-view, but there you go. Definitely recommend it. These Princeton Vikings are definitely the real deal. And now week four will start tonight with the Vikings taking on the Thunderhawks of Lakota East. And I think that will do it. That's episode 181 in the books. Lots of fun talking local sports and answering questions in Malin's mailbag. And that will do it for episode 182. If you want your questions answered in Malin's mailbag, again, Twitter at either Pod or the Lee W. Malin. Best way to get those answered. And we'll answer them on the next episode. Until episode 182, enjoy the local Cincinnati and Dayton sports. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. Be sure and bookmark SindayPod.com, the official website of the local Sinday Sports Podcast. From there, you can find your favorite way of listening to future episodes on platforms such as Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, TuneIn, Pandora, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and more. You can also find the Redbubble and Tee Public shops there too, where all podcast merchandise purchases go to help the podcaster. Follow on social media at Sinday Pod and Lee W. Mowen on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This closing theme was created with the Splash app. This is Lee W. Mowen saying thank you again for listening, and we'll talk more local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports next time. <music>